Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Next few minutes, I want to teach on the protocol for divine direction. I want to read an unusual text, but very important. Exodus chapter 25, verse 22. You know, literally, as I stood here, the Lord ministered that text to me. And I want to show you something. Background of the story. God is giving Moses directives for the most holy place and the utensils that ought to be there. And don't forget that everything that was to be made was to be a pattern or to be patterned according to the real most holy place in heaven. So pay attention to this. And then when he gets to the mercy seat, this is what he says. Oh my God. He says, and there I will meet you and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat and from between the two cherubims which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I have given you in the commandment and to the children of Israel. Now, when we are talking about the protocol of divine direction, this is very interesting. So, this is a divine ordinance as it pertains to the Old Testament worship. That the high priest knows that the moment he can get through the most holy place, the veil and enter the most holy place, then divine leading is no longer a prayer point because there is a protocol God has ordained. He says, above the mercy seat, there I will meet you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it wasn't a prayer request. And so everybody knew the moment you get beyond that veil, oh my God, anything good can happen. You see angels and everything there is naturally supernatural. And that, that's a perspective to have. But you see, a lot of Christians don't know the protocol of divine direction. And the reason this is important is because bad as, as an example as this may be, even the people of the world, they have a protocol. The people who serve Satan have a protocol. And so they will tell you, if you want to summon demons for this and this and this, you will go to a road where three junctions meet, is that, is that not true? And then you will put, you will make these oblations at this particular time and this and this will happen. I believe in brilliant fire. I believe that divine leading ought not to be a mystery. There is a protocol and I just want to do something very simple. I want to show you examples of people who seemed like they stumbled on divine leading and it looks really random until you, you look at the details and you see that there is a pattern and where you follow that pattern I believe that it is indeed a protocol and if you follow that pattern doing what they did you will see what they saw come on are you ready for that uh, what did I call the theme of the charge one more time hallelujah listen let me quickly tell you a story that I've told before you know I remember a day there had been an application I had applied you know and it was meant to come on time but 18 months after nothing had happened and one night stayed in my spirit I began to pray about it 
and pray about it and pray about it. And I said, Lord, send your angels to take that document from table to table until it's approved. And I prayed and I slept off. And when I slept, something very interesting happened. My eyes were closed, but I could still see the room. And a man, of course, an angel, walked through the door, walked straight to me where I was lying, touched my shoulder and said, we have done what you asked us to do. Now, two days after, oh my God, after 18 months, two days after, the agent that was responsible for that thing looked at me and said, guess what? And I said, what? And he says, the application has pulled through. And he was surprised that I was not surprised. He literally says, are you not surprised? (laughs) Oh my God. His information came late. His information came late. Oh my God. The hymn writer said, oh, what things we often forfeit. What needless pains we bear. If only you knew. If only you knew. If only you knew. Listen, I want to tell you again. You didn't come here for a show. You didn't come here to hear nice music. I am telling you, if you do what they did, you will see what they saw. I'm telling you, you came here with questions. You can go home with answers. Anybody like that here today? There is a protocol. There is a way. I want to start with the most unassuming, almost accidental story. Jesus is sitting on a well. Supposedly, he's there only because he's hungry. The disciples leave him to go and buy food. And a woman happened to encounter him there. And it seems accidental. But let's move from what is known to what is unknown. Number one, Jesus knew she had been married five times. The question is, what else did Jesus know? How much detail did Jesus have of her? And you see, some of you are so distracted because you see, there is... (laughs) There is a tendency for us to focus on the morals of that story. What? She was married five times. And yeah, it's surprising. And as important as as that is, that was not the crux of the story. Now, all of that is by the way. In fact, it's a distraction. As soon as this woman discovers that Jesus has prophetic gifts, immediately she says, yes, I've been wanting to ask a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews say Jerusalem is the place to worship. Where is the place to worship? And Jesus answers the question. And she says, well, I know. Just imagine this. This Jesus that had had been commending himself to the Jews. He came to his own and they knew him not. Right? This woman, unprovoked, said, I know the Messiah is coming. And he will answer all these questions. What were the odds? What if? What if, what if Jesus knew that she was looking for the Messiah and that's why he sat on that well? Come on, are you with me? I am saying what if to put it mildly because he knew. You Guess what? Also, even if 
She encountered him. If the disciples were there, he wouldn't have been able to talk to her. Because the Bible categorically said that when the disciples came back and saw him talking to a Samaritan, they were surprised. Because according to the Jewish code, you ought not to do that. In fact, uh, Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. So Jesus sits on the well and says, I'm hungry. Go buy me food. And it so happened that by the time he was done, that was when they came back. It also so happened that when they brought the food, he was not interested in the food. <laughs> Make of that what you want. I will tell you what happened in that story. Her hunger for knowledge drew Jesus. Listen, I, if you learn what I'm teaching you, you will summon angels. Listen, angels can be at your room tonight. I'm telling you what I know. The people of the world know how to summon spirit beings. And I'm telling you, some people stumble on it. They think there is no protocol to it. They think it's an accident. But I am telling you, there are some things that you will do and you begin to experience the supernatural in your life like never before. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because in the Bible, almost unmistakably, listen, so now it just seems like God is just gracious and he is. And so he chose to let some people encounter him. And that's correct. But when you look at all those stories, there is a pattern. Oh my God. That when the Ethiopian eunuch is reading his Bible and he's training. Just imagine, God wants the whole world to know him. And here is an Ethiopian eunuch reading a text about Jesus, wondering who it is. And God knows that if this man understands what he's reading, the gospel will go to Africa. Are you aware that that's how the gospel got to Africa? That Ethiopian eunuch. From Ethiopia to the rest of Africa. So anyway, by the way, the people who told you that it was the colonizers who brought the gospel, they were wrong. But that's a story for another day. And God knows this man, if he gets it, Africa will receive the gospel. He takes Philip. Hey, even if it is by a supernatural means to whisk him away, he's going to do that. Go and join yourself to this chariot. I am telling you there is a pattern. The first, if I'm going to itemize how to attract supernatural encounters and the protocol for divine leading and how to summon angels is hunger. You know what the Bible says? It says, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be what? Listen, it, no ifs, no buts, no maybes. It's a protocol. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be filled. For some of you, that's your answer right there. All the Beatitudes, by the way, we're saying the same thing in different ways. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It means to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. That's what it means. To be insufficient in yourself. You must come to a point where you have no other options in yourself. Lord, I have money, but I don't trust money. Lord, I'm intelligent, but I refuse 
to trust my intelligence. Where, where, like Moses, you say, if you do not lead me, if you don't go with us, I will not go. So you must come to the end of yourself where you say, God, I am not willing to go through this wicked life on my own. Lead me on this. Should I go? Should I pursue? Will I overtake? Some of you, you have options. Oh my God. That is why the leading has not come. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Come on, are you with me? Oh, this is very important. They shall be filled. And this rule is so perfect that even an unbeliever like Cornelius can stumble into it unknowingly. Are you listening to this? And this is a little bit a slap on our face. That an angel can show up in Cornelius' house. And some of you maybe have not experienced that before. And the Bible tells us why or how. He didn't know God because no one had told him about God. But he knew enough to fear God, whoever he may be. And so he prayed to him daily, he and all his house. And to the best of his knowledge, he lived a pious life. He was nice to people and behaved himself. And he gave alms regularly. Come on, uh, come on, are you listening to this? And, and so God vetted his heart and saw hunger. Listen, this guy might not have read the book on prayer, but he's praying, he's looking for me. If only someone could tell this guy more about me, he will be so blessed. So, well, an angel is going to go and say, send for a man named Peter. <laughs> and he will tell you what you must do or words by which you must be saved. Send for a man. So, now, Cornelius is receiving prophetic gifts. Nobody gave him the address to Peter's house, but he sent his servants there. Are you listening to this? Eh? Because they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they may be filled. Like, I, I don't know you, God, but you're out there, and I'm seeking you, and until I find you, this is what I will do. I will live as if I know you, and I will be nice to people, and I would, you know, and, and all of that, and I would give alms regularly, and I will pray regularly, I and my household. And God says, ah, if he's doing it with his household, he can do it with the entire Come on, are you with me? So, I choose him to be the bearer of the gospel to the Gentiles. This is the protocol. <laughs> and God is ready to confront Peter and his ignorance. He will show him a trance. He says, and then you say, there are people at your door. Follow them doubting nothing. It's a command. You can summon. <laughs> Peter came to Cornelius by a supernatural summon. Don't forget what the angel said. He said, your arms have gone to God as a memorial. You know, a lot of word people don't like this, but it's right there. <laughs> and that leads me to the next one, which is sacrifice. Sacrifice may not be limited to but includes generosity. 
Because you have to understand when it comes to spiritual things, pursuit is the proof of desire. Talk is cheap. Oh my God. Talk is cheap. Keep on asking and you shall receive. Keep on seeking and you shall find. That also is a protocol. So there must, you must be ready to inconvenience yourself for the direction that you need. So in your life, in your li- you must have a lifestyle of seeking God habitually. Uh, you know, don't forget what we read on Sunday where Habakkuk says, I will set myself upon my watch to see what the Lord will say. There must be that in your life. The discipline of seeking God. He says, you shall seek and find after you've sought with the whole of your heart. There must be sacrifice. A willful inconvenience. Lord, if it's going to take three days, I'm not going to start this new phase of my life without asking. I must ask. In fact, as a pattern, as a culture, you know, let the people around you know, okay, I will pray about it. You may seem religious. Let those words become normal to you. Okay, I'll pray about it and get, it, get back to you. Give me three days, I'll get back to you on that. Give me two days, I'll get... You start rehearsing it. Please, are you listening to me? <laughs> so, the, and then, don't just say it by word of mouth. You actually pray. Let your knees hit the ground. And call to your God. Just be sacrifice. And then, hey, listen to this so that you don't get it wrong. You know... I don't like to teach about this because there's a lot of extremes when it comes to this. But it's right there in the Bible. You can't take it away. The reason generosity is important, apart from meeting the needs of people, is that it's a simple way to show your consecration. That's what it is. You have to understand that money is one of the few things that can combat with God for his face in your heart. So by generosity, you are showing God, God, you are number one. I have no other trust, not even money for direction. Like when I'm planning my future, yes, money is important, but you are first. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, So, I, I mean, so generosity does something as a pattern. So Solomon is king. He wants direction. He wants wisdom. What am I going to do? Listen, Oh my God. And so this guy gives a thousand sacrifices. He didn't need to. For what atonement represents, one is enough. Do you understand what I'm saying? This was his only fickle, imperfect way of showing God. You know, he's understanding at the time. Lord, I, I, I need you here. I need you. And the Bible says, make of this what you want. The Bible says, that same night. Oh, Jesus, you're not listening to me. I'm telling you how to summon the supernatural in your life. The Bible says that same night, God came to him and said, what do you want? So, in the New Testament, you see the example of Cornelius. The angel told him, I am here on account of your arms. It has gone to God as a memorial. Think about that. 
both Old and New Testament tell us God can notice your generosity. Are you with me? Don't joke with it. And the text, we all still try to grapple around, you know, having the understanding of salvation and all of that. When the Bible tells you, for God loves a cheerful giver. How do you... You might try semantically to wiggle your way around. It's there. It's It's just there. It's unfortunate that selfish people on the pulpit have used it to to enrich themselves. But it's there. Please, are you listening to me? Because it's one of the ways to push away all the supporting structure, things that can be idols in your life and say, you know what, God, I trust you. For my future, this money that I should be hoarding, I'm going to take a chunk out of it and give so that you will know that you are my trust. I, come on, are you getting what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And God comes and says, what do you want? And for the next point I want to give, you have to understand this. That it is one thing for God to come to you like he came to Solomon. It is another thing for him to ask you what he asked Solomon. So, almost nowhere else else in the Bible do you see God give someone a blank check. (laughs) If God should try that with some of you. (laughs) I think there was a movie where a genie appeared to someone and said, ask me what you want. And the person said, I want to be genie. The genie lost his job instantly. <laughs> Some of them are wicked. The genie said, ah! <laughs> and there's no going back. <laughs> you wanted to be genie so he can ask himself what he wants. And then Solomon said, you've given me big shoes to fill. I am king in David's stead, all I want is wisdom to lead your people. And God said, Ah! You didn't ask for the life of your enemies? You didn't ask for wealth? How did God know that he could have asked for that? Because that's what many people ask for. So if God were to be just using normal human understanding, that is what he could have anticipated. Because that's what everybody would ask for. Is ask me, I already know what you're going to ask. And mind you, a lot of people ask these things, God doesn't complain. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I have told you there are levels of consecration. Just because you are getting answers does not mean God doesn't expect you to grow. God can be impressed by the priority of your prayer requests. God said, wow. You didn't ask for the life of your enemies. You didn't ask for riches. Even if you didn't ask, I will give you more wealth than any king before or after you has ever touched. Then I will also give you wisdom. Now, 
I said all of that to say this. The reason God gave him an open check is because the omniscient God already knew what he wanted. Do you understand what I'm saying? And there is a powerful principle. Psalm chapter 37 verse 4. Please open that very quickly. You see, the many texts I'm breezing through, and I want you to open that when you get home. You see, the Bible says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. This is what happened exactly in the scenario of Solomon. Listen, and many people from your natural, if possible, I'm not some of you here, maybe carnal understanding, would just see this and go, wow, the desire of my heart. Because you've read so many prayer texts out of context. If you ask anything in my name, oh God, just this nose is getting too big. Reduce it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let it be pointed. Okay, how about I can be a little taller? Lord, I don't want to have to buy bleaching cream. <laughs> Listen, I can, you can laugh, but I can assure you, if God should open his prayer book for you, you will laugh. <laughs> you know it's true. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. In fact, another text, he said, ask until your joy is what? But then, this is where interpreting scriptures with scriptures comes in. Because James then says, you ask and you ask amiss. That you may consume it upon your lust. So, what then is the purpose of prayer? Not to consume it on lust, but to consume it on consecration. Do you understand what I'm saying? So now, this is the order. In Psalm chapter 37 verse 4, that you, God himself must first be your delight. And then when he is your delight, he will give you the desires of your heart. Meaning, you will want for yourself what he wants for you. Example, Mary says, be it unto me according to your word. From my own understanding, what you're saying makes no sense. I have no man. You're telling me I'm going to take... Listen, I don't really want it this way. But you see, if I have the privilege to be in your will, yeah, so be it. Be it unto me according to your word. Now, that's a type of prayer few people know. And I'm telling you, the emphasis and God's priority in divine leading is not just, oh my God, please listen so that you don't miss this. It's not just a better job, a better car. If at the end of your desire for leading is self, you won't be led as often as you wish. Please, are you listening to me? But you might want God to lead you so that you can get a better job, but that's not the end. You want a better job because you want to be a blessing to God's people. You want to be a blessing to God's work. I am telling you, this is make sure that all your desires for divine leading don't end with self. And make no mistake, the, the holy one I'm talking about, he sees the deepest intent of your heart. <laughs> and so if you are seeking God, just so that all other things shall be added unto you. He knows. You know, I've told you before, if you're seeking God so that all other things shall be added unto you, you're not seeking God first. 
He says, seek him first and all other things. Not so that, but and all. It comes as an addendum. Please, are you getting it? Very important little thing to distinguish. And so why are we here tonight? Because there is one single key that wraps up all these points. One single act of devotion. What are the three points, by the way? Number one? Hunger. Number two? And number three? Delight in God, right? <laughs> or let me say motive, right? One point threads all of this together. And that's worship. Worship can be an expression of hunger in a dry and weary land where no water is. My soul. Come on, are you with me? As a deer pants for the water brooks. So my soul hungers for you. Worship can be an expression of that. And not just that. Worship can also be an expression of sacrifice. The Bible literally calls it the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise. Because it will cost you time. And it will cost you heart. And it will cost you posture. And it will cost you something. It's a sacrifice of praise. And worship can be an expression of your motives. These people draw nigh to me with their lips. But their hearts are far away. So I'm talking about a worship that comes from the deep recesses of your being. Let my mouth only reveal what my heart is saying. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Come on, are you getting what I'm saying? Where your words and your heart align. And where all these three things intersect. Because God, the Bible says, his eyes are running to and fro the earth. Looking for men whose hearts are after him. You know, so where all these three things intercept, the Bible says in Acts chapter 13 verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, just as the way we are about to do tonight. Come on, are you with me? As you minister to the Lord, the Holy Ghost will say, oh my God, clarity is a powerful thing. Direction is a beautiful thing. You know, I shared a testimony on Sunday. I said, sometimes I get directions I don't know what to do with. So, I'm, I'm sleeping last night, and in a dream, I'm introduced to a billionaire. And, you know, and they said, he does this. And I said, how did you become a billionaire? He says, by only selling this. I said, only selling this? Now, guess what? Two days after, out of curiosity... I said, ah, if there's such a billionaire in this country, it would be on Google. Someone would have told the story. And I searched, billionaire, Nigerian billionaire sells this. I saw, I saw the name, I screamed. Someone I had never known in real life, never heard the story. And I'm like, wow. And that's just worn out. And so, why am I telling you this story? Because it happened three days ago. I'm letting you know how frequently stuff like this happens to me. Hi, my God. Tonight, you are going to invoke some encounters in your life. Ah, ha, ha. Do you believe what I'm saying? 
We didn't come to play. We didn't come to play. So I give you a few minutes. Look through your notes. And anything that requires alignment in your heart, align now. Just align now. Align now. For you, maybe it's a motive that you want to align. We are here for practical. Tonight's session will teach you that divine leading can be practical. So maybe your story by Sunday will be that indeed you had an encounter. Or that by, to, by Thursday, God began to orchestrate your steps in such a way that it was unmistakable that God was pushing you towards the fulfillment of his own plan and that divine coincidences, just like the woman at the well who thought this Jew, you know, was just there, probably lost his way and was thirsty, wanted a drink from the well. Hi. Takaya. You are my hiding place. You are always feel my heart with songs of the Whenever I am afraid, anybody trust him tonight? Express your desire, say, I will trust you. I will trust you. Let the weak say, Let the weak say, In the strength of the Lord. Are you ready for an encounter? Come on, are you ready for an encounter? Say, as I minister to the Lord, I receive clarity, direction from the Lord in any way that He may choose. Say, by a still small voice, by an audible voice, or by promptings, nudges in my spirits. Say my spirit is open to promptings. I say I'm open to receive direction. Say by supernatural coincidences. Say by confirmation from the brethren. Hey, all 
by, by divine leading, anyway, anyway he chooses. Say by the dream of the night or by open visions. Say I receive divine leading. I receive divine leading. Say Lord I trust you. I open up my heart to you. Thank you Father. Listen now everybody. In this atmosphere, in few minutes, forget that anyone else is here and pour your heart out to the Lord. The Bible says, when the Lord, when the Bible says, as they minister to the Lord, the word ministration there actually means to be in service, in a duty, like in your duty post. Meaning, the Spirit of God came and found you where he, you were meant to be. Found you where you were meant to be. Meaning, for some of you, the way you minister to the Lord, not, Lord, not just by singing, is to be doing the small instructions He has given you. He must find you where He puts you very important come on are you ready thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord just final instruction as we go two things number one carry this atmosphere tomorrow next tomorrow maintain an atmosphere of worship, of trust in the Lord. Of trust. Verbalize your trust in the Lord. <laughs> Verbalize your trust in the Lord. Oh God, I love all men, but I trust only you. Verbalize your trust in the Lord. You know, you might need to create a playlist, whatever. Just keep that atmosphere of trust. Listen, take away burden from your heart. Cast all your cares on him, the Bible says. Say, because he cares for you. And then the second thing, the Lord asked me to tell you this. This is very important. Put up Acts chapter 13 verse 2 because you see a lot of people stop there. You know, stop with Acts 13 2. God said about Abraham, I know Abraham, he will command his children. God likes doers. Receiving leading, receiving a prompting is one thing. Doing it is another thing. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Next verse. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So listen. They fasted and prayed. And as they were doing that, the Holy Ghost said, Separate unto me. And after that instruction, they fasted and prayed again. Some of us, we run off after the instruction has come. But the execution is more important to the Lord. So, they fasted and prayed again. And laid hands. So, the Lord is asking me to tell you, as the instructions come, in little, little here, little there, obey. Obey. Say in the name of Jesus say just like Paul I will not disobey the heavenly vision say I'm a doer of the word and not a hearer alone thank you father thank you for listening we are sure that you have been blessed for inquiries reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7000 blessings.